This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. Now, here's your host, Maria Desmondi. Welcome to All the Right Marketing, where we talk with business owners, industry leaders, and anyone involved in books, all about their programs and their products. Our guests share tips that help Anyone listening, whether you're a librarian, a bookseller, author, or publisher, learn more about the books, the book industry, and how to get the books that we're talking about into the hands of children. The truth of the matter here is that the advice coming out of these conversations are for anyone who is creative across many different industries. So today I have Gary, and Gary, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your last name, so tell me. (laughs) Gary Malodzik. Malatsik, and he has been a top producer in various sales organizations in the Phoenix, Arizona area for over 25 years. He retired in November of 2020 from Cox Communications. Since retirement, Gary and his wife, Tina, who I think I heard in the background, have focused their time on volunteering with Kids Need to Read and the Grow Your Library program who we as Cardinal Rule Press have, um, you know, I, I believe Gary reached out to us a few years ago. So that's why we're here today talking about this. Um, they have also started a nonprofit foundation. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about that. The mission of Making Dreams Come True Foundation is to build hope in a brighter future for the residents of Macon. Oh, wow. Through education, scholarships, and community pride. That's wonderful. They and Gary and his family enjoy spending time together with friends, traveling, reading, hiking, and playing tennis, which is awesome. Instead of playing tennis, my husband and I thought we'd go the easy route when we started learning pickleball this summer. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know tennis players are not a fan of the pickleball, but I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier than playing tennis. It is so loud. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what, Gary, we need to bring up your um, icebreaker because it is amazing. Your family enjoys riding horses and you made it an adventure to ride in all 50 states. And I don't know who, who, who in your family does this? Is it you and Tina and who else? So this all started, my, uh, my daughters took a horseback riding equestrian summer camp one year. The oldest was nine, the youngest daughter was six, and we live in Arizona, so of course, summertime, kids are out of school, we'd run back and forth between Disneyland and SeaWorld, and it got old, and a friend of mine in Texas, he uh, found out that we really enjoyed horses, and he, uh, we spent Thanksgiving with him one year, and he invited us out to the Wild Big Game Ranch, which is a large hunting ranch, 40,000 acres near the hill country of Texas, just beautiful. And he invited us to go horseback riding. And that was the first time we went out of state as a family horseback riding. And in the car on the way back to his house, I said to the girls, I said, well, did you like that? Was that cool or what? Because we're riding amongst antelope and armadillos and all these zebras. I mean, it was amazing. And they were just so excited. I said, you know, we could do this every year instead of going to Disneyland. And they were on board. We got home. We started planning. We can go to this state. We can go to that state. And by the time they were, well, the only state we haven't done is Alaska. We saved that for last. Mm-hmm. By the time uh, we got to that stage of riding, they had college and jobs and things that uh, got in the way of achieving the 50-state goal. But we've gotten 49. We always saved Alaska for last because, you know, Nebraska's a tough sell. But Alaska, everybody wants to go to. <laughs> 
we'll That's get there. Awesome. You'll get there. Last year and that got COVID, you know? Yeah. Did you just term, did you just coin the term COVIDed? Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. That's really great. That's really great. We've all been COVIDed. Yes, um, yeah. Well, I love that. And, you know, so retirement has been treating you well. And let's talk about your journey into the organization that you are talking about today. Um, so tell us, how did, how did you get started? You retired and you said, I want to do something that feels good or tell us. Well, you know, as far as Kids Need to Read goes, that journey started a long time ago. Uh, we started 2012. Uh, I started a different career. I got out of sales, went into collections. And my wife and I, we, were, we knew the end. We were planning the end game. So we said, well, let's, um, let's find something that we can volunteer together with. What do we have for commonalities? Now, granted, we'll be married 38 years in May. So, I mean, it's, we've been together a long time. We have a lot yeah. of things in common, a lot of things we enjoy. And um, I started researching places that um, we might volunteer together. We came across Kids Need to Read. My wife was a elementary school librarian for a number of years, and we all love reading. So we said, let's reach out to them. We did. They said, yeah, we're a small organization. We could use your help. So we went out and we were welcomed with open arms and the way they ran things and the mission behind their work fell, it just dovetailed in with us. It was That's what great. we wanted to be supporting. So we slowly um, grew in the organization. I think about 2014, I was elected to their board of directors. Um, Tina later on, she's on the board of directors too now. 2015, um, I kind of got more involved with it. I was looking for ways to help grow the organization and um, talking to a buddy of mine, Brian Colling out of Colling Media in Scottsdale and said, hey, buddy, here's what we do. We're not a, there's nothing sexy about the book world, okay? <laughs> Most of us are not Diana Gabaldon. We're not James Patterson. You know, <laughs> we're just trying to make a living, educate, et cetera. And we started talking. He said, you know what you need? Gary says, really what your organization needs is more meet Jake moments. You need to get out into communities. You need to put a face to the organization to let people know what you do and that you care about them. Mm. Up until that point, basically, with just serving the Valley, meaning the Phoenix metro area, because we have three employees. We're a small organization with a lot of volunteers, but you don't go to Michigan when you have three employees. Your time yeah. is best spent serving others via, okay, send us a grant application through the internet. We will supply you a set of books for your classroom, et cetera. And we served high poverty communities, which was great, but primarily through the grant process. So I approached this to our director, executive director at the time. I said, hey, here's what Brian says. I like, there's meaning behind what he says. We need to get out there and get more exposure. Uh, she looked at my proposal saying, well, this is great, but we have three employees. We can't go galvanding around the country. Yeah doing these type of events that you're proposing. I said, well, I wasn't expecting staff to do this. Tina and I travel a fair amount and we would like to encompass the a library program within our travels. Oh. So that changed the whole complexity of this. And the one thing that we always wanted to do was we wanted to create this program to focus on public libraries. Tina and I have a history together of going to public libraries as children. Tina chased down the bookmobile. She was a, a top reader for them. Um, but a lot of small communities out there just don't have the resources to pay for books 
and to buy books and to keep the kids reading. So we started writing to authors. Cindy Callahan, a uh, tween writer from uh, Wilmington, Delaware, was the first one that said, hey, I like what you're doing. Let me send you some books. Oh, well, then we knew that that would be a possibility. So we started to write to all kinds of authors. We'd go to Barnes and Noble and we'd look at books. We'd see Maria Desmondi on the shelf. Hey, this looks great. Uh, spaghetti and a hot dog bun. This looks cool. Let's see if she'll donate to us. Wonderful. And all of a sudden we had people like Lauren Tarshish. You know, Lauren, Lauren Tarshish, I'm a fan. <laughs> That's great. I am a fanboy of Warren Tarshish. And uh, I go on her website and it says, well, I get lots of fan mail. I've got a job. I write. But I don't always, I read everything I get, but I don't always respond. And it's like, well, I understand that. I wrote to her late one night. Next morning at 530, I go to my emails. She responded, Gary, whatever you need. Ugh. So people were supporting our passion. We do six events a year around the United States. Uh, we've been in, goodness, 21 state, states now across the United States. We've given out over 20,000 books. Wow. During those visits, uh, we've done 37 events. You know, prior to our call here, I was just on the phone with a young lady from South Carolina planning events for 2022. Now, what do these events look like, Gary? Thank you. Sorry. That's the okay. events are basically a, a threefold setup. So I will, I will reach out to, I'll search high poverty concentrations in area, in states, Google it, of course, look at the size of the community, look at the popular uh, poverty level, call their public library once to verify that information. We focus basically on communities over 50% poverty. Okay. Because there's a lot of need in this country, you know, for a great land that it is, we have a lot of poverty. So we'll reach out. I'll make a call, introduce myself, say, hey, here's the, here's the program. Here's what we'd like to do. And I'll explain to them the three steps. One is we'll send a donation of books to the library. These are books that come from authors, publishers, et cetera. We will send those. And it varies anywhere from three to 600 books per library. Now, granted, if you send 600 books out, that's a $9,000 investment in their community. Mm. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, the second stage is we'll make an arrangement for Tina and I to go out to the library and hold the story time event. Oh. So Tina reads two to three books to the kids. We set up a table with a variety of books to give to the kids. Each child leaves with one or two books. Uh, highlights for children. Of course, everybody knows highlights. <laughs> They've been around forever. They, um, they're a sponsor of Kids Need to Read, donating their magazines and puzzle books, et cetera. So make sure that all the kids get one of those when they leave. And then the third step is actually what we call our fulfillment process. We go ahead and we'll give an email address to the children on a little postcard before they leave. We'll explain to their parents that if you want to give back, make a difference in your community, here's how you can do it. You write to us via this email address, We'll include your name, how old you are, your city you're in. And for instance, hi, I'm, I'm Maria, I'm five. I like stories about unicorns. Well, Tina will go in to the library's website, search their catalog, look for maybe a new book that's along that age group reading level, along that subject matter. And she, we'll put that on a list. We'll add those lists together. We'll send it off, get it ordered up. And then we put a little book plate inside the book 
donated by Maria on behalf of Kids Need to Read, and we send those to the library. Wow. So that's the child's gift to the library. Wow. Wow. And that's <laughs> full circle. That's when you were talking um, and your friend had suggested putting a face to the organization. So that's kind of the full circle that the children you're giving to are then giving back to the library as well. Correct. And one of the the books that Tina reads is called Starfish on the Beach, written by Tom and Lindy Schneider. And they're friends of ours, and they've traveled to some of the events around the country with us to be the, the celebrity author presenters of their own book. But it's a story of giving back and making a difference. And that's where that third leg of the stool comes from, is here, you now have the opportunity to make a difference for your local library. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know what? There's a lot of people who listen to the podcast in the system, in the library system, in the book system. So let's talk about how they can help you. What, what would be their first step to giving to this organization? Where should they go? Give me the details. So a couple of ways. I mean, we are a small organization. Shipping costs are astronomical. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, commercial real estate, rents are going up. It's hard to pay the bills, serve the needs of the people you want to serve and make the organization go. So of course, financial support is always welcome. As far as authors and publishers go, um, you know, books everywhere from young adults on down, we need those as well. Uh, as far as the, the different libraries, you know, sometimes I spend hours and hours trying to find people that want and need what we have to offer. So we, uh, we appreciate people going to our website, kidsneedtoread.org, and actually just searching out and saying, hey, I'm in Michigan, I am a teacher, I have no money to start a class, uh, school classroom library, can you help me? It's a very simple application process, you go to our webpage, there's a grant process there, very simple, but we can't give you stuff if we don't know about you. Exactly, exactly. With the public libraries, to be honest with you, I am normally searching them out. We do not get very many grant requests from public libraries. Wow. So, you know, just knowing the publishers are willing to help us, that takes the, the stress off of one end. I do a, a fundraising event on Facebook once a year. Uh, my wife and I match funds um, up to, well, we trying to raise $10,000 this year. So basically everything up to $8,000 raised, we're matching 25% trying to hit our goal of $10,000. So that pays for a lot of shipping, uh, helps the organization a little bit. And those type of things all add together are what make the wheels go round. What make the wheels go round. Uh, uh, you know, and for those yeah. listening, but I will tell you, those listening who are publishers, um, you know, there is something very sad that is happening at distribution centers. It's called pulping. And... P-U-L-P-I-N-G, pulping. And when I first um, signed with a new dis distribution company, they said, okay, um, you know, here's part of the contract. So you have to sign here if you don't want your books pulped. And I said, come again? What do you mean pulped? And they said, well, books that are returned and they're returned for just a little, like a little bend in the corner of the book will be pulped. They will be recycled. They will be shredded and recycled and Bye. Goodbye. They'll just be put to bed. And I said, well, what's the alternative? Because if a book has a bend in the corner, who cares? Kids can read these books. So if you're a publisher, I would highly recommend double checking your contract, reaching out to your distribution center, making sure your books 
that are returned are not being pulped because what we do four times a year, we uh, during each quarter, we reach out to our distributor and say, it's time to ship all of the returns back to my home office, Maria's home office here in Michigan. And then what we do is we go through our donation request form and we ship those books out. They look brand new. They really do. But Barnes and Noble, the, the indie bookstores, they won't sell them with a little bend. Um, but so there's that happening out there in the world. And I think it's unfortunate. And yes, does it cost our company shipping? Yes. But again, it's, it's charitable donations. It's, it's for the good of our country. Um, and it's for the good of Gary's organization who, where Gary and Dean are working. We need to get these books into the hands of kiddos. Yeah. So. From an economic standpoint, I sure see why they do it because again, books are heavy. Books cost money to ship. We get that. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, if you take the time to stop in small town America and go into a local library and you see some of the books on the shelves, Tina worked at a Title I public school and, you know, I'm going through the shelves helping her clean out and we're seeing books from the 80s. And I mean, people that are donating books to me now, I'm sending pictures going, hey, do you remember even writing this book? And this one guy was like, man, that is a classic. That was like one of my first books, you know. You just don't know how what the situation is if you're removed from it. You have to go out, put your boots on the ground, walk in and look around. Yeah, absolutely. This is this has been wonderful. And I'm so thankful. It took us a lot to get to this point, Gary and I. It it was it it was interesting getting onto this call, but I so appreciate your time. And we will be um, releasing this episode January 4th, the first one of the new year. And we will be shouting from the mountaintops for people to reach out to your organization, get those foots, get their feet on the ground and do the work because our kids need it. And I appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Maria. And I'm sure you have my email address. You can put that out there. Anybody can contact me if they like for more information. Absolutely. And you're on social media. What, where would you say your organization spends most of their time on, on all these different social platforms? I would have to say Instagram is the most popular one. It's just at kids need to read. Okay. Uh, you know, myself at Gary Mladzik, uh, probably reaching out to me via email is the best. Gary.Mladzik at kids need to read. Uh, org. That's the best way to do it. Okay. So. We'll have all that in the show notes, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Nice meeting you. You too. Thank you so much. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.